Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Well, take your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. We are starting a new sermon series here entitled Fight Club. And uh, we're going to be looking at things in life that are worth fighting for. Because we spend a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of stress and a lot of sleepless nights on things that really don't even matter. And the things that do matter the most... We put no effort into it at all. So we're going to be looking at things that are worth fighting for. But this morning, we're going to be looking at something a little bit different. We're not just going to be looking at things that we're fighting for. We're going to look at a battle that was fought for us and how that battle was won when Jesus rose from the grave. Well, I told you that, uh, you know, whenever anybody wants to give me tickets to athletic events, I'll always take them. Uh, lower level, I said, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten a little bit, uh, you know, uh, used to stuff now. But uh, somebody gave me tickets to the NCAA regional tournament, and I uh, really appreciated that. And uh, lower level, of course. And uh, uh, so during the game, it was Tennessee and Purdue. And as soon as I sat down, I knew it was going to be a good game because the Tennessee section was right here, and right next to it was the Purdue section. And I thought, oh, this is going to really be good because I didn't care who won the game, you know, at that particular point. So the game is going on. The fans are yelling at each other across the aisles and everything, sometimes yelling at things you can't say in church and and stuff like that to one another. But there was this one lone Purdue family sitting right at the start of the Tennessee section, just right over from the Purdue section. And the guy just kept getting louder and louder and more belligerent. And then finally this lady tapped him on the shoulder and said, Show her a little class. And he said, okay. And he threw his beer right in her face. So I'm thinking, man, this really is a good game. I didn't, you know, I didn't know it was going to be this good. You know? And so she goes and gets an usher. The usher comes down. The guy starts arguing with the usher. The usher comes back with two Metro police officers. They tell the guy he's got to leave. The guy stands there. And one officer said, sir, I've asked you nicely. I'm going to put handcuffs on you and throw you to the ground if you don't come right now. So they leave. About five minutes later, that police officer comes back in, goes up to the man's wife and kids who had to be proud as daylights of their dad, and came in and said, he's not going to be allowed to come back into the stadium. Do you want to go with him? And the wife said, you've got to be kidding. Purdue's coming back. There's no way we're going to leave the stadium right now and do that. So that was a thing I would say probably wasn't worth fighting for. Okay, you know, uh, you can cheer for your team without going to that kind of an extreme. But we're going to look at the fight for our life and how Jesus won that fight on Resurrection Sunday. We're going to start over in Matthew chapter 27. And the first thing we see is this. It sometimes seems like the fight for our life is a lost cause. It sometimes seems like the fight for our life is a lost cause. Look over to Matthew 27 down to verse 38. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross if you're the Son of God. 
And in the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said. He can't even save himself. He's the king of Israel. Then come down from the cross, and then we'll believe in you. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. He said, I was the son of God. And in the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him heaped insults upon him. On the cross that day, it seemed like Jesus had lost. That it was the end of everything. The one the disciples were so sure was the Messiah. This was the guy who had done unbelievable miracles. He'd walked on water. He'd he'd healed the lame. He'd given blind people back their sight. It was an unbelievable thing that Jesus was doing. But now he's suffering and dying on the cross. His best friend had betrayed him. The religious leaders had gotten false witnesses against him in an unfair trial. And the Roman governor knew he was innocent and still had him flogged and crucified. They drove nails in his hands and feet. And then when he was on the cross, they laughed at him and they spit on him and they mocked him. And they made fun of him as he's suffering and he's dying. And in a few moments, Jesus will give up the spirit and he will die. And you can imagine being one of the disciples and thinking, what's going on here? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. This isn't what we expected was going to happen. And then after Jesus' death, the religious leaders come to Pilate and said, he said some kind of nonsense about rising in three days, and we don't want his disciples to be able to say that. And so the Roman governor says, okay, then I'm going to send a Roman guard and put them in front of the tomb. And they row a stone in front of the tomb, they seal it, and Roman guards are then set aside to make sure that nothing happens to the tomb. So it's over. It seems that Jesus is lost. It seems like the fight is now finally over. And you may think that sometimes in your life as well. You may look at everything going on in your life and you think, I'm never going to get out of this world alive. And guess what? You're right, you're not. Okay, I hate to be the encouraging voice here this morning, but you're not going to get out of this world alive. We're all going to die. And so you look at yourself and say, well, I'm getting older and I'm getting a little bit slower. You know, uh, those three steps, it's a lot longer than it used to be when I first got here. You know, it takes me like 10 minutes to get up them now, and I used to get up them in no time. And you think, you know, I'm, I'm getting older. I've got some medical problems. I have things going on with me. Or you think mentally, you know, I'm struggling. I, I've got doubts and depression. I stay up all night. I've got such anxiety. There's so much stress in my life. You look at your finances and you think, is anything ever going to change? Am I always going to be behind? You struggle with your job and you've lost one job. You don't know how you're going to get another. And then you look at the world around you and the world's just gone crazy. I mean, it's gone crazy everywhere it can get. It's gone crazy in our politics, crazy in our society, crazy in terrorism around the world. You know, millions of Christians are gathering today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if any of you saw the news this morning, but in Sri Lanka, there was a series of church bombings that took place this morning as people were gathered for worship. And over 150 people have been killed in Sri Lanka in churches across that country where there was just one bombing after another. And we see things like this and we think, is there any hope? Is everything a lost cause? Has the fight for my life been lost. And that's where the good news of the resurrection comes in. You probably saw this week that the grand old Notre Dame Cathedral, one of the neatest places I've ever seen, I actually climbed to the top and saw the gargoyles. Couldn't do that now because the stairs are too many, but you know, back then I could have done that, you know. 
But that, that cathedral burned, and then it seemed like they weren't going to be able to save any of it. It took 30 minutes uh, for fire and rescue to get there. Then there wasn't uh, the kind of equipment to even get up to the top of it to put out the fire. And it was literally an hour and a half after the cathedral started burning before they got any water on it at all. And they said, it's a lost cause. Everything is going to be lost. And when they finally went into the sanctuary after that, this is what they saw. The whole roof had collapsed in the middle of the sanctuary, but the one thing that had been untouched was the altar. Still standing there was still the cross shining in the altar, saying that as everything falls down around you in life, there is still hope. And that's what the resurrection gives us. And that brings us to the next thing that we see in our scripture passage, and that is this. Through his resurrection, Jesus has removed the barriers that were keeping us down. Jesus removes the barriers that's keeping you from living the kind of life that you think you should, the kind of life that is holding you back right now. And here's the first thing that we see. Through the resurrection, Jesus has removed the barrier of our sins. He's removed the barrier of our sins. Look down to verse 50 of chapter 27. When Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And so when Jesus died, we're told that in the temple, the curtain was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Now, what it's talking about, what's going on? Well, this curtain that it's talking about here was a curtain that separated the main part of the temple from the Holy of Holies. And I've got a picture of what that curtain might have looked like uh, right here. And uh, I actually drew that last night, Uh, so so I did a real good job with it. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this curtain. This curtain was 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and 4 inches thick. And when Jesus died, it was ripped in two from the top to the bottom. Now, what was the purpose of this curtain? It separated the temple from the Holy of Holies. What was the Holy of Holies? It was the place where it was believed God's presence dwelt. It's where the Ark of the Covenant used to be uh, before it was lost in the Babylonian invasion. And so it symbolized the place where God was. And no one was allowed inside of it. Only the high priest, one day a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the high priest could enter in and only then for a few seconds to offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people and get back out. But when Jesus died, that curtain was ripped in two and the symbolism was this. Nothing separates you from God any longer. Your sins that were keeping you from God and the kind of relationship that God wants with you are now gone. The curtain has been removed. Nothing keeps you from God. And that's one of the most encouraging things that you can ever hear this morning. Because so many people, even good Christian people, live their whole life feeling guilty about everything. We always feel like we don't measure up and we're never quite good enough and we're never going to get it right. And guess what? You're right. You're not. But God understands that. If you could get it all right, then Jesus would have never come in the first place. Jesus came because you can't get it right. You are always going to fail. No matter how hard you try, you will mess up again. But God knows that and loves you anyway. He's not angry and disappointed in you. He loves you so much that he left the 90 and 9 just for you. He loves you so much that when you were still in your sins, Jesus died so that you could be forgiven. 
You see, there is a fight going on for your life right now. And it's not the kind of fight that most of us even know about or think about, but it's a fight that goes beyond flesh and blood and human beings. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says this, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is against rulers and authorities and powers of the dark world and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a fight going on right now. You know, the the name Satan actually means, that name means enemy. That's what Satan means. Your enemy is doing everything he can to destroy you and to destroy your life. And one of the main weapons that he has is your sin. That he can make you feel guilty and that you don't measure up and that you will never be in the relationship with God that you should be. But what Jesus did when he died on the cross and rose from the grave is that your sins have now been forgiven and nothing separates you from God. God is not angry with you. God loves you with a passion and has done everything to bring you to him. There is a fight going on for your life and it is so valuable that Jesus is willing to die die for you upon the cross. You know, as I think about what that means, that that Jesus died for us on the cross, it's really an amazing thing. He's rescued us right when it seemed that there was a lost cause. saw a little video this week that I think you might enjoy. It's only about 10 seconds long. It's a collie rescuing a chihuahua. So let's see the video here. Nice save. That's exactly right. Whoever said that. That's exactly right. Do you know that's what happened with you? When sin was about to run over you, Jesus came and grabbed you and rescued you from what was going on. So we see the first barrier that's been removed is the barrier of our sins. There's a second barrier that the resurrection removes, though. And the second barrier is the resurrection removes the barrier of death. It removes the barrier of death. Let's look back into our scripture passage, chapter 28, verse 2. Chapter 28, verse 2. Let's just start with verse 1 and throw it all in there. You want to? After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. An angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and set upon it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were afraid of him, and as they shook, they became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. And so the Roman guard is guarding this sealed tomb when on the third day, on that Sunday morning, we're told the earth starts to shake. The guards get a little bit nervous. They're looking around, and suddenly this mighty warrior angel appears out of nowhere. Sword drawn, clothes gleaning in the sun. And they look at him, and what's the first thing an angel always says to people? Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. This angel shows up, looks at the guards, and says, Be afraid. Be very afraid. A little twist on what they normally say. And the guard respond by becoming like dead men. They pass out. And then the angel looks at the women and says, do not be afraid. (laughs) But you know the neatest thing the angel did? Is after he rode the stone away, what's it say he did? He sat on it. He rose the stone away and he sits down. Yep, 
I did that. It's a sign of victory, a sign of triumph. The stone that you thought was sealing the tomb, I'm now sitting on after I've rolled it all away. You see, one of the biggest barriers that's removed in the resurrection is the barrier that we call death. And death seems so final and so ultimate, and it's haunted the human race since the Garden of Eden. And even if you're a Christian, death still hurts. You may grieve differently because you grieve with hope, but it doesn't mean we don't grieve. We do grieve. Whenever you've lost somebody you care for, you grieve, even if you have hope of a reunion. But death seems to be something that has stalked us and haunted us. We do everything we can to put it out. We, we eat better. We exercise. We, we get the best doctors and, and, and the best medicines. And it seems like we might add 10, 20 years, but death still eventually comes to everyone. But what happened On the resurrection is that when Jesus came, death no longer had the final say. 2 Corinthians 4.14 says, He who raised up Jesus from the dead, so will bring you with him, and you will rise from the dead. So we're going to rise just as Jesus rose from the dead. And that's one of the greatest barriers that was removed. That barrier, the ultimate barrier of death was defeated with Jesus on the cross. Read an interesting story this week out of Canada. A young mom by the name of Chelsea Bromley uh, was washing dishes after supper when she heard her son screaming in the backyard. Just a little boy, that's Chelsea and her son, uh, Zach, right there. She ran to the window and looked out the window and found that a cougar had her son in its jaws and was pulling him into the woods. She did what any mom would do. She went crazy, opened the door, ran outside, started punching the cougar who would not let go of her son and then grabbed the cougar by its mouth and began to try to pull its jaws apart. The cougar finally got frustrated, dropped her son, turned around and looked at her and Chelsea did this. And guess what that cougar did? It turned around and ran back into the woods. There's our crazy mama after me right now. And I'm getting out of here. When Jesus rose from the grave, death had you in its very mouth about to take you forever. And on the resurrection day, Jesus came and fought for you. And now you have new life and eternal life through him. And that brings us to the third barrier that we see that Jesus removed. The resurrection removes the barrier of an empty life. It removes the barrier of an empty life. Keep reading down to verse 5. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. Now, I love that last phrase. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. In other words, before you ever get there, he's already going to be there. He's risen from the grave. He's in charge. He's ahead of you. Is there a more encouraging thing for you to hear this morning than in all of the problems and all of the troubles and all of the things you stress about and keep you up at night and you lay there and you wonder, is this ever going to work out? What's ever going to happen with this? And then you hear that verse and you think, before I ever started worrying about this tonight, Jesus had already gone ahead of me in that problem. 
He was already there through his resurrection saying, I'm there to help you, to get you through whatever goes on in life. Life is not perfect. We will have troubles in this life. John 16, says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome this world. And that's what we need to hear. When problems and troubles come, you can sit there with the negative and stress about it all night long. Or you can give your problems and troubles to the risen Lord and Savior and say, I know you've already gone ahead of me. I know that I have problems and troubles that have knocked me to my knees tonight, but you're greater than them. I will have trouble, but you've overcome this world. And that's the hope that we have, that Jesus has gone before us. So the next time you're hurting, the next time you have a challenge, the next time you have a problem that comes, it doesn't mean everything's going to work out just the way that you want it to. It doesn't mean everything in this world is going to be perfect because it's not. That doesn't happen until heaven. It does mean you will never go through anything in this life that he's not right there ahead of you, ready to go through it with you, showing you the right path, the encouragement, and the strength to get through whatever may hit you in this world. Got a picture here of a young man in Northern Ireland by the name of Tiananmen McCready. McCready, that's a good Irish name, isn't it? And uh, Tiananmen uh, was coming home from school one day. There was a white van uh, parked by the curb, and he went and stood by the white van. Uh, just to, to look around, just waiting for one of his friends, when suddenly the door of the white van opened, and a girl who was a senior in high school, 17-year-old girl, was walking down the street. Three men jump out of the van, grab the girl, and start to pull her back into the van. The girl starts screaming. Everybody in the street just stands there, nobody doing anything. But Tiananmen was standing right by the van. And so he stands in front of the door, And he says, no, 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 no. And he starts screaming, help, help, somebody help. And then when they come forward, he starts doing this. You know, he starts swinging. You know, just look at swinging at three grown men. And then finally, one of them let go of the young lady. Tiananmen, he's just eight years old, goes up and grabs the girl by the hand and starts backing away from the three guys doing this as he's backing away from her. Now, when the other people see the eight-year-old boy got this in line, they all start running over to help. And so the three guys jump in the van and they take off. He was then given an award for his valor and bravery. He was able to do that because he was already at the van and was in front of her and was able to stand there to save her. And what you need to understand is that when your problems come and they seem to be dragging you away, that Jesus has already gone ahead of you that he's waiting right there to give you the hope and the strength that he needs. And it all happens because of the resurrection. The risen Lord has risen from the dead, and his power is with us to this day. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. Therefore, if all of these things are true, we do not need to be afraid, but to face the challenge of this world with boldness and with joy. Look at how our scripture passage ends in verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. Now, why were they afraid and filled with joy? They're afraid because, man, some weird stuff's happened. Uh, this this uh, gl- the glowing angel has appeared to them. Uh, they don't know what's going on here. They're, they're joyful. They've been told Jesus is alive. They haven't seen him, but they're still a little afraid. And then verse 9. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came to him, clasped to his feet, and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid.
There's no need to fear life any longer. There's no need to fear the problems of life. There's no need to fear your sins, and there's no need to even fear death. You have a Savior that has conquered all of those things. He loves you with a passion. You see, there is a fight going on at this very moment for your soul. And Jesus has literally died on the cross so that that fight could be won in your favor. But then it's up to us. It's up to us to say whether or not that we believe that that has happened, to accept that what he has done. He's made the ultimate sacrifice, and now it's up to us to make the decision on whether or not we're going to follow him or not. It's up to us after you're already saved to say, I'm going to live a life in bondage still to my sins or accept his forgiveness. It's up to us to say, when my problems and troubles hit, instead of laying in bed all night and worrying and not going to sleep, I'm going to turn it over to him and realize that his resurrection power is greater than anything that I may go to. And as you do, you're going to see God do unbelievable things in your life. That great teacher and educator, LeBron James, uh, isn't, isn't it? I thought he was. LeBron James started a school in Akron, Ohio. Anybody see this? Nobody saw that. Thank you, Charlie. Read the paper, people. Come on. Keep up on the news. Uh, he started a school in Akron, Ohio. Now, the school he started in Akron, Ohio, his hometown is really very interesting. The school had a few things about the students that could go there. The only kind of student that could go there were students that were on their last chance. Students that through disciplinary problems and grades were given the last chance. You're going to be kicked out of school if you mess up one more time. You're not going to be allowed back. That was the criteria. They had to be failing students with their last chance, and that was it. And he started a school with 200 of these kids that this was it, their very last chance. They started the school in September. They got a picture of LeBron's school right there. He sunk a little bit of money uh, into that, as you can see, to start this school. They had a few guidelines. Here are the guidelines for LeBron's school as the kids were brought in. I promised to go to school, do my homework, listen to my teachers, ask questions and find answers, to never give up no matter what, to try my best, to be helpful and respectful to others, to live a healthy life by eating right and being active, to make good choices for myself, to have fun, and to above all else to finish school. These failing kids were brought in, and they were told, that's the promise we want you to make, and they started school in September. Test results came out last week, and if you saw what happened, it was unbelievable. This school is now ranked in the 99 percentile of best grades in the United States of America with the worst kids from the worst area in one year. 90% of the kids are scoring at excellent or above in their test scores. And why? Because somebody believed in them when they were down to their last strike and had nothing less. And said, I'm going to sink millions of dollars that I've earned into believing in you and sacrifice for you. And it's changed their whole lives. Your enemy thought that you were defeated. And there was nothing that could be done to save you. And when you were down to your last strike, Jesus died on the cross for you. He suffered and took your sins. And he rose from the grave, giving you the greatest victory of all time. And that's why we celebrate Easter. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sacrificing for us. 
Thank you for the resurrection. The resurrection that changes everything about us. It's the reason we come here today. It's the reason we dress up and we sing. Because, Father, you are worthy. And we so appreciate what you have done. Now help us to live it and show it to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come to this time of invitation where you're being asked to respond to whatever God has said to you today. You may be here and you've got problems, things going on in your life, and you just want to come pray at this altar. We've got people who love to come and pray with you as you do. Just give those problems over to Jesus. I'm, I'm not going to go home and worry about it. I'm going to give it to you at the altar today. Come and say, I want to join this church and be a part of what this church is doing. The most important thing you could ever do, though, is say, I want Jesus in my life. I want to find that forgiveness and new life and joy. And you come and say, I want Jesus in my life. I want to follow him. I want to be baptized. But this is your time and your opportunity. As we uh, close, Josh is going to be coming up. I want to remind you, next week we're, con- we're continuing Fight Club, and we're going to be talking about fighting for your relationships. Jesus said to love God, but to love your neighbor as yourself. One of the hardest things to do sometimes is to be in the right kind of relationship with people in any area of your life. There are some very simple things that we need to be doing that we often don't do, that we most of the time don't do. And we're going to look at how we need to fight for our relationships. And that'll be next week. Josh. Well, the beauty of the gospel story is that the story didn't end on that first Easter, but the transformation power of Jesus continues to us today. If you don't have a church home that you're connected with or a life-giving community, we'd love the chance to get to know you a little more. We talked about the connection card. We're, I'm going to be leading for the next two weeks a class we call Start Here. It's a simply a way for us to learn more about your story, you to learn more about our story, and to have the chance to get to know this church a little bit more and uh, have the chance really to just see how God's intertwining that today. If you go onto our website, mywrbc.org, uh, you can sign up and learn, learn more information for that. Hey, know that you go nowhere where Jesus is not already there. Any fear you counter today, Jesus has already conquered. And even when we face death, Jesus has the victory. Go in peace to love and serve our Lord. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.